Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Tegok Warriors podcast. It's March. We've got international break coming up in, a, in about a week. Uh, we got a big show because we're actually going to do something live with you. We're going to do a live reaction to Bento Squad, which is going to be fire. It should be really fun. We're very excited about that. But before we get into all of that, I got to introduce who's with me today. So our first guest, uh, we've talked about him a lot. We've wanted him to come on the pod for a while. Uh, he's gracing us with his presence. He's got a Kangen jersey right now. Uh, it's the president of the Jung Young fan club. It's Girl Dad. It's doing Kajun. Good, doing How are you good. doing, man? Let's clarify, that's Chong Young Senior we're talking about. Uh, not Junior. Yes. Yeah, yes, that that's, big, that's that important. That was a big 180 for Very me in my, uh, in my opinion on, on him. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's an important day in uh, Korean football, so hopefully uh, we get some good news. Just before we just like go any further, just just let us know how you became the president of the Jong oh, you know, Young Team. Uh, I'm not sure if Namu, uh, Namu, I guess, isn't here, but um, uh, there was a long debate early on where I was not his biggest fan, uh, and I was uh, looking for other possible options there, whether uh, you know it was Won Duje or or Peximo or players like that that I thought maybe a little more flair, um, but then uh, I came to the realization, and uh, we always make the uh, the NBA comparison of Draymond Green uh, uh, to Chong Young Sr. And uh, he's kind of that guy for us. I mean, you can see how much the Warriors are struggling without him. Uh, and I think it'd be the same kind of thing for us, not have that enforcer, you know, get the yellow card type of dude and act like he didn't do anything. Uh, you know, I think every team needs one of those guys. And uh, that's kind of where my opinion shifted from. Let's try something else to, you know what, he's stable. Uh, he gets the job done and that's good enough. Well, it's an honor to have you here. Um, our second guest is a new guest. Um, he's come with um, one of the best stories um, that he's going to reveal exclusively on the podcast for us. Um, he's from Korea. He's a seasoned journalist. He's been on Netflix. Uh, he's Albert Kim. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. That was that was quite the introduction. Um, <laughs> it's nice to be here. You know, I've been a big fan of um, Fighting Stripes um, for a long time. Just the content you guys put out, it's just some of the best out there on the web. Um, and yeah, I, for guys who don't know, I've been living in uh, Korea for six years as a broadcaster slash journalist, and I got to see um, not just parts of uh, the sports side of Korea, but also the entertainment stuff. And eventually, I guess, doing all that stuff led to some interesting, uh, funny stories, I guess. And I'm here to share one of them for you guys today. Yeah. All right, so uh, we got about, I'd say, 20 minutes before Bentu drops his squad and sort of comes before the press to ask, ask, like, answer some questions about it. Um, so I think it's just, it's probably time for you to just share your incredible story because um, you, in your past, have met Isungu, a man who just, you know, he's kind of like the guy that just, the guy for football fans in Korea, like there's just, everyone's got an opinion about this guy and you have one that is informed by this just crazy experience you had with them. So just, just please let us know what happened with him. When did you meet uh, yeah, him? You, yeah, you know, so I, um, disclaimer, was always a big fan of him and I thought that he was underutilized, especially at the 2018 World Cup when uh, Shin Taeyong was the coach and I always wondered why 
mm-hmm. wasn't getting called up to the national team. I thought he was pretty much one of the best uh, attacking players in the country. Um, but kind of what happened was I met him in uh, 2020, uh, right before the pandemic started, I think in the early months of 2020. Um, and uh, basically what happened is it, it was pretty crazy. So um, when I was working um, in Korea as, as a reporter, um, on the weekends, you know, there's a lot to do in Seoul, especially. And um, mm-hmm. I would frequent um, a pretty popular uh, lounge bar. Uh, kind, it's a kind of a club slash, uh, you know, drinking place in Korea. And mm-hmm. um, it was located in the, the okay. Shinsan neighborhood, which is um, known for a lot of celebrities to hang out there. And um, so I'm drinking, and it's like it's about like 4 in the morning. Um, and I look at the door, and I see a guy in a hoodie and slippers walk in. And I think nothing of it. And then I look closer, and it's it's Isungu in, in flesh and blood. He just walks in to a random lounge bar at 4 in the morning. Um and, you know, the sports side of me is like, oh, I want his autograph, right? I was like, should I say something? Should I say, hey, bro, I'm a really big fan. Can I just get a picture? Um, unfortunately, at the time, um, I had to go to the bathroom. Uh, nature was calling. So <laughs> I ran to the bathroom. Um, but luckily enough, he was actually the one next to me <laughs> in the other stall um, doing his business. And, um, you know, um, he was uh, – I tried not to eavesdrop. It's not polite. But um, basically, he was having a conversation with one of his friends who was there. Um, and basically what – it turns out had happened was he had uh basically flown to korea on a friday night um from europe i think he was playing in belgium at the time right he had flown in on friday uh Mm -hmm. came out to party on a saturday and he was going to take his plane back on i believe a sunday or monday morning to make it back in time for his training um and i believe this was like right in the middle of the season or it was it was at a time when he, st- he definitely still had games or he still at least had training um i, I just couldn't believe it because I, he was in korea just on the weekend to party for about a day or two no more than two days um and after that you know the club was pretty empty so he just walked out and um, i walked out as well and i saw him and his group of friends just walking around the streets trying to find a place that was open and a place to party and it, it was just it was really surreal seeing that not just because it was him but just because he had been this icon of you know uh korean soccer and kind of like somebody who was annoyed at one point the korean messi um and and to see that was a little Mm -hmm. let's say disconcerting i guess you could say and it made me realize oh that's why he hasn't been getting called up a lot recently all right pjing paul jung you're you're shaking your head you're you're just you know tell us what you're thinking It's, it's such a it's such a crazy story um and at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised. Um, I feel like he kind of has that kind of like Dennis Rodman type of uh, personality where he's just very spontaneous. He'll, he'll do things on a whim like this. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's 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 crazy. Uh, the, the story itself is crazy, um, especially uh, with a guy who wasn't in a position where he had proven himself on the team and was getting playing time. For him to be in that kind of situation where he could be making extra efforts uh, in practice or training, uh, it, it it's that part is the alarming part for me. Is that if he was a proven star in doing this, then okay, you know what? If he wants to get away and do stuff, that's cool. Uh, but he still hadn't proven himself, wasn't getting minutes. Um, and that was alarming to me. That was the most alarming part is that with being on, on the verge of maybe not making it in Europe, 
for someone to kind of be like, you know what, I don't care. I'm just going to Korea and have fun and go drink. That that was the alarming part for me personally. Yeah, I mean, just to give some context to our listeners, right? At this time, he was a player for Sintruden in the Belgian top division, right? At that time, he had, I think he'd been there for two seasons maybe, and or, or three seasons. And for all of the time he'd been there in Belgium, he had never gotten playing time. Like he'd been like coming off the bench for like garbage time, if that. And so it's just like sort of so shocking where it's like, you are the guy that like is fighting for his spot on the bench every week. You are the guy that's fighting to even get the manager to play you in the match. And you just decide, hey, you know, I'm going to skip out on this team and just go party in Korea for a bit. And then like you think about this even more, like where you're like, okay, a flight from Belgium to Korea is quite a long time. That's a lot of wear and tear on your body. And then you like you ask yourself, like, was he doing this regularly? Was he flying back and forth regularly just to party? Like, it's just, it's crazy. And you think about it where you're just like, imagine like you're his manager and you're like hearing like, oh, like you're hearing about like the players on the team that are just like spending some time in the weekend training. And then you hear like from somebody, like maybe a player tells you like, oh yeah, like I heard from Sungu like this morning, like that he just got back in from Korea. Like, what are you going to think at that point? Right. It's just, it's. It boggles my mind that like that sort of went through his head, and he's like, "Yeah, that that seems yeah. like a good idea for my career right now." I mean, I mean, the thing about partying, I will say, is that you know, there's nothing wrong with it in a vacuum. It would have been okay maybe if he was going out for drinks in whatever Belgian city he was in. But like you said, the fact that he took the time and effort mm-hmm. to get on a flight from Belgium, and I don't even think they have a direct flight from Belgium to Korea. He probably would have had to transfer to another European country or somewhere in Asia. Um, the fact that yeah. he would put that much effort into just party makes me wonder how much effort he was putting in to improve himself as a player. Because, like you said, I was wondering too why he wasn't getting why wasn't he getting any game time in Belgium? Because I knew he was good. He, of course, he's good enough for that league. He shouldn't be in that league. So the fact that he wasn't playing, mm-hmm. um, it had to have been something on the, off the field that the manager didn't like, right? It, it, it couldn't have been his on-field performance because I'm pretty sure he's better than most of the players in that squad he was in. Yeah, I mean. This has this has to have some sort of bearing on sort of the managers thinking about like, you know, just his dedication to the team or his attitude and training. You know, it's just it really just says a lot that that's sort of like a decision that he made possibly on a regular basis or maybe it was a one time thing. But overall, it's just it definitely gives you an insight into, okay, maybe this is why it just didn't really go well for him. in, at the end of his time in Europe. Right now, he's back in Korea. He is now a starter for Suwon FC. Um, good for him. Um, and we wish him the best in the K-League this season. And um, I guess, Albert, like you just say, you know, like when the restrictions are lifted, just you just hope he just doesn't go partying too much, right? Like he can, he can go have a drink, yeah. you know, with the teammates, but maybe not like nights of partying all the time in Korea. Yeah, well, the thing is right now, if um, you look at the domestic situation in the country, um, the the one worry is also just the cases have been skyrocketing. Um, but the government has still been lifting mm-hmm. some of uh, the social distancing regulations, which means that I believe he can still go out and drink until at least 10, 11 p.m. Um, and if you know Korea or live there, you know that the club he's at Suwon is actually just a stone's throw away from Seoul. He can just jump on the subway or get in a car. It'll take like 30 minutes mm-hmm. to an hour, depending on the traffic. So he's not exactly in a part of the country where... <laughs> he can't find that entertainment. 
Um, nothing against the other clubs in the country, but if he was somewhere more remote, I don't think I'd be as worried about it. But, um, you know, you do worry as we head into the spring, especially, and Korea starts to loosen up, how that may affect his performance. And again, maybe this isn't fair, but from what we've seen, I think it is a fair worry to have for him specifically. Yeah, I mean, that's just such an interesting story. Uh, any last words for you, Paul? Uh, you know, I just worry with all the media coverage in Korea. Like, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we were lucky enough for, to have Albert see this as like a kind of a one-time deal. But uh, if he's living in Korea, this could be like a daily thing if that gets out on the news yeah. or social media, how that's going to affect him. Because honestly, right now, they're, I think they're last in uh, their last place right now. Uh, he's played. I've watched every game he's played. It's, it's, for me, it's intriguing still because I want to see what it, he does. Um, but just from an overall standpoint, all I've seen is like just very little glimpses of, oh, that was pretty good. But that's like seconds when you're talking about all the minutes he's played so far. Um, so that's the problem that's with, with him right now is that there's very small glimpses, but there's no consistency in this play. Um, and, and I'm not sure if that's a training issue, or like, like uh, Albert was talking about, if there's some issue there with trying to get better and not putting in the work, or if that's just what he's become at this point at the like adult level and it's, it's just not transferring. Yeah, we're just gonna have to see. Um, but you've given us like a little bit of a segue there because um, Bento Squad is gonna come out in a bit, but let's just sort of talk about like a little bit about the beginning of the K-League season and just like talk about any players that have like kind of caught their our eyes. Um, so for me, one guy um, I'm hoping I'm hearing the name of in, in about 10 minutes is Jo Young-wook. He's got another goal this weekend, so up to two goals for the season. I think that that guy, um, knowing that Lee Dong-jun is struggling a bit with injury, we're not sure if Lee Jae-sung is going to be available because of the COVID situation at, at Mines right now. Um, Hwang Yi-chan also might have picked up a knock this uh, this morning. So um, I would love to see Cho Young-woo uh, crack the squad. I think that this guy is always a very hard worker. Um, just always a player that will really press and try to get himself into good positions. He's also kind of crafty with the ball. He's, he's a decent dribbler and he just, for his small size, he does use his body well. So I like Cho Young Wook. Um, Albert, you want to, Albert, you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for me, I think more than a player um, overall, if you look at the league standings, I've been surprised how bad Chumbuk have been um, to start out. Um, and it seems getting to the point, I think I read today that they're going to pick up Kim Moon-han and one more guy um, off a of transfer yeah. um, uh, to get some reinforcements. But um, it, it, has been, yeah, Kim, yep. it has been surprising how bad they've looked. I mean, maybe you didn't expect them to win again as much as they did, but to be so bad and to be in the skid there, and it's really surprising. Um, and it does worry you a bit because there are some players you know, in that squad who um do form a bit of a, a part of the national team too so um that's something to keep an eye on i don't think they're going to continue to be this bad especially the transfers that are coming um but it's definitely something to keep an eye on i think as the season progresses paul anything um, from you? i i've been anybody? keeping my eye on Jogizong. uh he scored i think two goals not this week but last week and they were really nice goals too on top of that and i you know i i as much as I've criticized Bento in the past, the fact that he was kind of able to pull that one out of a hat, uh, I, I'm super impressed. I, I've been watching their, I haven't seen full games, but their highlights, I, I kind of like what I see. I like his work rate. I like his physicality. Um, you know, and, and with me personally speaking, I know he's been doing okay for the, for the club, but Hwang Ijo has kind of been struggling on the national side a little bit to show his stuff. 
Uh, so I'm hoping to see a little bit more Jogi Song in the future. I like how you brought up Jogi Song and like just sort of like the sort of like the rabbit out of the hat sort of thing with Bento doing that because a lot of people sort of um, a lot of like media people and just like people on Twitter kind of had this like sort of feeling like Jogu Song, if you compared him to Osehun, they're like, oh, Osehun is the better, more heralded prospect. Like, why is this guy not getting picked? But um, it always just, like, it has seemed like in terms of form, whenever he gets to the national team, uh, Jogu Song is playing the way that Bento likes and he's he's performing. So great job for, for Bento sort of like doing his scouting work and just picking out a player that has the characteristics in a four that he wants. Well, yeah, exactly. Just exactly what he wants. I, I like the point you made about uh, Chogi Song because uh, when I look at his profile, he seems to uh, fit the traditional number nine mold a bit better than a guy like Hwangi Jo. I think um, I like Hwangi Jo, and I think he's a mm-hmm. good player, and he's going to have a spot in this national team. But I do wonder if he can um, hold up the ball as well or be a target man against those bigger European teams um, because he's not that tall. I believe Chogi Song is about a hundred. I'm looking at here, a hundred and eighty-eight meters, or about six foot two. Um, I don't think Hwangi Jong is about that tall, I think. So I think he represents an interesting option. And I think Chogi Song at least should be on the bench um, in Qatar as a backup option maybe in the 80th minute when you need to uh, dump a ball out long or uh, launch a ball into the box with your down. So, um, and who knows, if he keeps playing well, then I wouldn't mind him starting over Hwangi Jong as the main striker. Yeah, man. I mean... <sighs> Honestly, like, Huang Yijo is kind of struggling um, even at club form because just Bordeaux is such a mess this season. Yeah. Um, they're almost in, like, a rele- relegation battle at this point. Um, but one sort of note on that relegation battle is um, from what I'm hearing, Huang Yijo has no intention of staying if they get relegated and also probably is going to be looking for a new challenge this summer anyway. But, um, yeah, I love what you're saying about just – him being that backup option, the guy to sort of, sort of run after a long ball, get his body against those center backs late in the game when they're tired and just sort of chase a goal. Who knows? That could be a really good role for him. But, yeah, if he has another, like, a really strong K-League one season, he keeps scoring. Why not let him try starting? Who knows, right? He's already off to a really good start. He yeah. plays in K-League one. He starts every weekend there, and let's see what he can do. Yeah, especially since we don't have uh, Kim Shinook anymore, your favorite yeah. there, Mike. <laughs> Whoa, 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 that is a really low blow. I have never, ever, I I don't even know where you're uh, looking, bro, to say that I like Kim Straight Shinuk. sarcasm, straight That sarcasm. has never come out straight of my sarcasm, mouth. Bro. Oh, man. Oh. But I will say, I do have Wait, a friend that is quite that a big bad, was he? Kim Shinuk fan. I mean, he was great against, like, the smaller Asian teams where he can just, like, tower over them. Mm. Uh, and you see Chogi, yeah. so I think he's a, a bit of a bit of a more overall player just from, like, with the feet. I know you were talking about Ozeo earlier, kind of similar type of, I guess, skill set and body size. Uh, yeah. I mean, we really haven't had a classic striker like that uh, in some time. We've always had, like, these hybrid types, of, yeah, either, like, super tall or you got, like, oh. these, like, kind of, like, shadow strikery type, like, Anjouan type players. Um so it's, it's, it's interesting wow. to have that kind of like Benzema type, just, you know, just physical force type of player in the middle at the top uh, to make it happen. Was that a bad comparison? I'm sorry, Albert. <laughs> yeah. 
no, no, that no, no. One. That's that was exactly what Michael and I were talking about earlier is that oh, the fact okay. that Chogi Song can be maybe a more traditional number nine as opposed to Hongi Joe. Because, like you said, my worry with Hongi Joe is the fact that I don't think he's uh, big and strong enough to take on those bigger center backs that they're going to play in the World Cup, especially if they play those European teams. It's sometimes I think he can disappear from a game too if he doesn't uh, get as many touches as he wants, and he might not get that against the better teams. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. We're just so right now. I'm in um, wild refresh <laughs> mode of just like waiting to see the squad. Um, I might even flip open Twitter oh, and see if we got it on there out. rather than it's Instagram out. first. I don't know where they're it gonna is be. Out. It's uh, out. I saw it on where Instagram. On KFA it's Instagram. out. Let's show. Let's go. Okay, let me... Oh man. Let's do this, guys. Let's pull All it right, Let's just go through it. Let's talk about it, guys. I'm I'm, I'm excited about this. Ooh. Okay. All right, I will read out the goalkeepers. Uh, Albert, can you do the honors on the defenders? Um, yep. What do I want to give Paul such a hard assignment with the midfielders? Uh, yeah, fine. Um, Jung Young's in there, and then I'll I'll finish out with the forwards. Beautiful. All right, for our goalkeepers, we've got Kim Dong Jun from Jeju United, Kim Sungyu, Kashiwa Reso, Song Bomgun, Jambuk Hyundai. And Jo Hyunwoo from Ulsan Hyundai. All right. In defense, we got Kwon Gyeongwon from Kamba Osaka in Japan. Also, Kim Minje from Fenerbahce in Turkey. Kim Youngwon from Ulsan. Kim Jinsu from Cheonbuk. Kim Tehan from Ulsan. Park Mingyu from Suwon. Park Chisu from Kincheon Sangmu and Yun Chong-kyu from FC Seoul. And the last defender we have is Lee Jae-ik from Seoul Eland FC. Oof, okay. Ah, Paul, at the midfield, we have Lee Gang- Oh, never mind. Okay, he didn't make it. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we have Kwon Chang-won uh, from Sangmu. Uh, Kim Jin-kyu, which I know a lot of us in the group chat are high on, so he's in there from Busan. Na Sang-ho from FC Seoul. Uh, Pek mm. ho from Cheonbuk. Uh, Sunny, of course, that's the kind of a given. Uh, Song Mingyu from Chumbuk as well. Uh, I guess Lee Jae-sung is good to go uh, on the COVID front. Uh, he's in there. And nice. Chung Wooyoung Jr. and Sr. to the squad. Oh, and okay. I guess uh, Hwang Yee-chan, I'm not wow. sure if this decision was made prior to today's game or not, uh, since he did pick up that, that, that knock today. Uh, but uh, Hwang Yee-chan would be the last one here uh, from Wolverhampton. Okay, and now at forwards, we've got Jo Kyu-sung from Sangmu and Hwang Yi-jo from Bordeaux. Um, okay, um, I'm just going to sort of start it off, and I'm going to say uh, I see some new faces in here, and I always like to see new faces. Um, these are, But the one thing I'm going to say, though, uh, new faces are great in games when, uh, you know, you're sort of experimenting, like maybe friendlies, but... Mm-hmm. Um, New faces aren't always great in like really crucial matches, so um, I I like that he's experimenting. I like that he's looking at new guys and sort of seeing who's on form. Uh, so, um, anywhere you guys want to start. Well, looking at the goalies, uh, I like the fact that he included Kim Dongjun and Song Bomgun. Um, I know usually taking four goalies is a bit unnecessary, but considering the fact that they've already qualified. Um, I would like to see him rotate the goalies, not just play Kim Sung-gyu for every single game. 
not that I'm not a Kim Sung Gyu fan, I am, and I think he's one of the better ones we have, but I would like to see Choi Yun Woo and Kim Dong Jun get some more game time. Um, I don't think the number one goalie spot is something that should be locked up going into this World Cup. Um, again, I don't know if anybody's ever played mm -hmm. the position, but as a goalie, you're taught that when you um, face a shot, you, you don't just dive, you dive into the shot, you dive forward into the shot. Um, and when I see Kim Sung Gyu play, sometimes I, I worry about him because his feet don't always seem set on certain shots, and he seems to be caught out a little flat-footed. Um, as opposed to more Choi who seems a bit more explosive in his reads. Um, again, I'm not saying that's the reason one of them should start over the other, but I think it's Bento, something Bento should look at, especially because I think he's only playing Kim Sung Gyu because he likes playing out for the back, which, again, I don't know if that's going to be necessary against one of the bigger European teams. So the main point here for me is that I like the fact that he called out four goalies so maybe some other guys can get some playing time because Sung Gyu has been playing a lot recently for the national team. Yeah. Yeah. Kim Dong-jun is, is new. Um, I don't think he's ever really earned a bento call-up, but um, this guy's kind of like a, a journeyman. He's been around. He started at Songnam, went to Daejeon Hana for a bit, and now he's with uh, Jeju United. And I think he's replacing um, Gu Sung-yoon, who's at Sangmu, because I guess uh, Bento's saying that uh, Kim Dong-jun's a little bit more on form. Jeju has started off the season pretty well, so it might be a form call, but... Um, I praise him for doing something like that, just sort of like looking at who's who's playing well in goal at this at the moment. So that's cool. Um, I like the defense. I like some things here. Um, I like the fact that Yoon Jong Gil was called. I think he is one of the most promising young uh, fullbacks we've got. That's not named, you know, Saryong Woo or. Um, maybe like Yuhan. Like we, we don't really have promising young. Fullbacks, so it's it's great to see uh, Yoon Jong Gyu in the mix. Um, obviously, there's um, there's Kim Tae Hwan from Usan, but there's mm -hmm. actually also Kim Tae Hwan at Suwon Samsung. That's a that's a decent young fullback. But I mean, yeah. So Yoon Jong Gyu is a good one. I like that he's gotten picked in the defense. That's a great call up because he's like a starter for FC Seoul and they've been playing well. Also, EJ um, was very good at the 2017 U20 World Cup. And um, he's a center back. He's finally decided to come back home to Korea from Croatia. He was uh, with Dinamo Zagreb, didn't really break into the first team there. But um, it's just interesting. Like, this is a K-League 2 player, but sort of one that has always been good at the youth national team level. So it's interesting that, um, Be uh, yeah. that Bento is trying to call him up right now. Other than that, I don't really feel like there's any surprises in this defense. I would agree with that. Yeah, I'll yeah you got anything no, to add? No, no yeah, um, just your point about the defense. Um, obviously, we see the two stalwarts in Min Jae and Young Won, but like you said, I love the fact that he called up EJ. I actually remember him now that you mentioned that uh, U20 World Cup. He was really um, a really big towering presence, I think. I think he wore number three in that tournament, and I remember yeah. watching this guy and going like, wow, he yeah. is huge. And he reminds me of, I think, the new style of Korean soccer player that's um, maybe bigger and stronger than what we've seen in previous generations. Um, I just think uh, it, it's we, we have we have more physical specimens. I think we could say compared to maybe 20 years ago in that 2002 World Cup, where the team was more of a toolbox team with this hardworking, um, pacey, sprinting guys. Whereas now we have these big, towering center backs. And I think, God forbid, if Kim Min Jae or Young Won get hurt, this is a great opportunity for one of these younger center backs to maybe. Um, 
make a good impression so Bento can know that he can maybe trust him in case somebody does go down with an injury. So I really like his center back selections this time around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, um, I just got to ask, uh, Paul, has Pak Mingyu ever, like, caught your eye in a Suwon FC uh, highlight? You know, I, I hate to say it, but the team overall just doesn't catch your attention. It's, you know, I, I haven't been watching too much K-League in the past, but I've watched a little bit now, and you can kind of tell that they're really, they don't really have an identity uh, as of yet. They're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, they tried uh, easing at, at the top today or yesterday uh, as uh, kind of like the, 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 f the false nine or whatever in the front. Uh, instead of going for their usual two tall guys, they got uh, uh, Steve's guy, uh, Kim Yun, and um, the, 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 the international player. They're both tall guys, and they, they were playing that style for a while, but now they're trying something else. But honestly, nobody from that team uh, is standing out, unfortunately, uh, especially from the Koreans, like, uh, from the Korean standpoint. Yeah. All right, let's go into the midfield. Um, do you feel like there's any surprise in any of these players being picked? I feel like no. That's not coming back? I, I haven't watched too much FC Seoul. Has he, has he looked pretty good? <sighs> what do you think, Albert? Do you feel like that's a surprise yeah, to you? Th that's the thing. You know, that was the one name that I looked at, and I was like, that's kind of a throwback just because he's hasn't been in the mix a lot um, in recent cycles, even under previous coaches. Um, and I wonder, my thing with these kind of call-ups call is if you're not going to play them, why call them up in the first place? And considering the fact that they do have qualification wrapped up, um, maybe given, I haven't seen him a lot this, se um, this season, so maybe given his form, maybe he should play once or twice just to see what he's got in attack. But um, yeah, no real big surprise. Oh, I will say um, with uh, Chung Young, the, uh, the younger one, um, I am a big FC Bayern fan, and I actually watched some of his games with the senior team he got in before he transferred um, over to Freiburg. Um, and I'm actually really happy to see him get a call up because I think he is one of the best um, technically skilled wingers that uh, the country has produced in a long time. Um, and I don't think he's going to start anytime soon for the national team, but I would like to see him get more game time and hopefully just uh, be more acclimated with the guys because as Tonung Min um, gets older, uh, I think you're going to need um, you know some other guys to step up. And I really hope this is the beginning of you know Bento giving uh, Chung Young more of a chance and. He's one guy I would also like to see on the plane over to Qatar in um, later this year. Yeah. Yeah. I I try to watch Freiburg on ESPN Plus when um, he's in the lineup, and I think the one thing that I always notice about um, Freiburg is that they're a very well drilled team. Yeah. Um, they really stay organized. Uh, they really pass well, and um, they keep, try to keep the ball really efficiently. Um, they're having an incredibly good season. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say that Joe Williams like a huge yeah. part of their their season being so good, but it's still just like that's a great environment to be in as a young player. A very well drilled team where the coach like just really tactically drills you and how you're supposed to play the Freiburg way. It's a great place to learn, and um, I think he's going to bring back some of what he's learned to the national team, and that'll help them out a lot. So I'm yeah, I'm glad that you know even though he doesn't always play a lot for Freiburg that. Bento still has that faith in him and, and just sort of sees the potential. So I'm glad he's still getting those call-ups. Um, all right. So let's sort of like, I mean, obviously the forwards don't surprise us at all. But let's sort of talk about like 
a little bit about these two matches and sort of how will um, Bento make a midfield and sort of who do we think he's going to play in these huge matches? These these two matches, even though we've qualified, they are huge because first place in the group is still on the mm -hmm. line. And um, we always want to beat Iran. Uh, we always want to do that. So... Um, Let's make let's it interesting. Sort of let's make let's make it interesting. Let's make it interesting that, yeah. and say uh, that for whatever reason, because again, these decisions might have been made prior to the updated information that we have. Who knows? But let's just say for whatever reason, Lee Jae Sung and Hwang Yee Chan can't play because they're kind of like staples in the midfield. Oh. And so I mean, it's almost like a given that that was going to happen. But if they don't play for whatever reason, <laughs> let's say Hwang Yee Chan's injury is worse than we thought. And maybe, uh, you know, there's mm -hmm. a setback with just Sung's COVID situation or whatever. And somehow they have to make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Who would start there in their place? I think that would be an oh. uh, interesting discussion. Because it's pretty obvious that if they're ready to go, that's who's going to go. But if they're mm -hmm. not, especially with Lee Dong-jun and Lee Dong-kyung being kind of questionable, then who's going to fill in? That's It's probably going to be maybe like Chong Young, like we were talking about, or who's going to be in the middle. Uh, it's that's, that's an interesting uh, conversation to have, I think. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Not who okay, we I'm would just start. Respond to that just really quick. Sorry yeah, about who that. Bento no. would start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who Bento was gonna start? Okay. So who Bento yeah. would start? Not who. Yeah, we yeah. Would right. Start. That, okay. That's a big difference. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let me just respond to that, uh, Paul. Uh, Paul, by saying, "Wow, that's a really good premise uh, to explore," um, because it's and it's also a realistic one. Um, we don't really know uh, how Minds is doing with their whole COVID situation. Uh, we do know that they will have a game this week. Um, they've had to postpone the last two weekends of matches because their COVID system uh, has just not been good. Like, they've had a lot of players down with it, and maybe Ejisung was one of them. Uh, but they will play this week, so hopefully Ejisung is past fit and healthy. But if he's not, and if Huang Yichan is also not fit, um, okay. So I'm just going to say this right off the bat. I would not want Paolo Bento to start Na Sang-ho at all as a replacement for Huang Yichan. I just don't like that idea. I think that there would be a huge drop-off in just uh, potential and just sort of the work rate of the player or just ability. Like, I think Huang Yichan, though he's not a perfect player, I think he's still better than Na Sang-ho. So I don't think that Na Sang-ho is his replacement. Uh, for me, what I would do is I would go with Kwon chang in the center and jong Young Jr. on the right wing and just allow, allow them to sort of just be fluid. Um, they've been teammates in the past. Uh, if you don't remember, um, Kwon chang before he left and came back to Korea, he was at Freiburg with jong Young Jr. So I would say just let them have their chemistry back and uh, start them together. Obviously, you put Son Heung-min on the left wing and just sort of let those that front three just have some fun with it and... Um, Either they're going to be trying to feed Huang Yijou or Jogu Sung, we don't really know, but that would still mm -hmm. be a lineup that I would be totally okay with. That's exactly who I would go with. That's the that's exact tandem I was thinking about. Because of their past experiences together and stuff like that, you're not just throwing two random guys out there and like, hey, make this happen. Uh, they have previous... Not just like on the like on the national team, but like you said, back in Freiburg, they played uh, together. They had like those awkward videos on the Korean national team YouTube video where they're like hanging out together. Mm -hmm. That was great. Um, that I would like to see that front. I, that, I think that would be a very interesting situation with Son Heung-min, Kwon Chang-un, and Chung Wyong. 
Albert looks like he's going in a different direction, but okay. I'm with you on that, Mike. No, no, no. I, yeah. No, no, I love it. Uh, I myself would love to see Quan Chung start. Um, the more I see of him, the more I like. And I was actually heartbroken when he got hurt before that 2018 World Cup because um, I think he would have had a really great time in yeah. Russia. That was a bummer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I actually, this time around, if E. J. Hong isn't healthy, what I could see Bento doing is maybe playing it more of a 4-2-3-1 instead of three in the midfield. Um and if that's the case, like you said, it'd be Kwon chang maybe in the hole as the 10, uh, younger chung Yong on the right side, Sun Nung-min on the left, and then probably Hwang Yi-jo up top. Um, and in terms of the two holding midfielders, I would say older chung Yong, And I um, I think Bento might give Peck Sung a run-up this game too because he's, he's been trying to get uh, more looks at him too. So I, I could see him starting as well. Um, or I could also see him not starting younger chung Yong and also just starting Song Ming-gyu. Um, mm as yeah. one of the front three as well. But I think I think there's a lot of different ways to go yeah. here, assuming that Ejiz Hung and Hwang Yi-chan both cannot play. Because if they can, I think he will play them, especially if he wants to beat the Iranians in Seoul. Yeah. Yeah, the big, th- the big thing is, is, like you were talking about the holding uh, midfielders, well, Hwang Yi-bom out for sure, right, with his situation. Um, who yeah. would play with Chong Leung? Because Chong Leung, I think, is playing for sure. That's like... I think like one of Bento's favorite players, and he's gonna play. But this is a huge opportunity for, like you said, Pexingo and Kim Jingyu and guys like that, to see if they can kind of show a little something that maybe we have something else there as well. So that's a big opportunity for those guys, uh, even beyond just Yi Jae-sung and Hwang Yi-chan maybe not being there. Mm. Yeah. I kind of want to um, jump in. I I, I kind of feel like. Uh, the guy that's going to partner Jong Young Sr. in the holding midfield will be mm. Kim Jingyu. Mm. I just have that feeling like he looked really good in the um, friendlies that uh, that we had in January. And um, yeah, I just feel like that's maybe the way that Bento's going to go. Um yeah, I just feel like the Kim Jin Gu's got like a lot of heat coming his way. He might be earning himself a big move to the K League One with Junbuk real soon. So, yeah, I feel like it's gonna. My vote and my just gut feeling right now is is it's gonna be Kim Jin Gu. Um, but who knows? Maybe Bexungo's got the inside track on it since he's already at Junbuk. But yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Kim Jin Gu. What do you guys think? I prefer. I, I think either way, oh, you ahead, can't go, go wrong with either one of them. It's going to be good for. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I was just saying. I'll be quick. It just either one of them. I think it's it's going to be valuable game time for them, especially against such a high quality opponent compared to the other Asian teams that they've played in the qualifiers. Um, and if Kim Jong-un starts, no, that I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Um, just game time is what these younger guys need. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Man, honestly, like I gotta say, like I'm I'm pleased with this squad. Like I think that um, with what he has available and just sort of the injuries that he knows, and sort of the um, the current situation with Kim Dong Jun and uh, Lee Dong Jun and Lee Dong Gyeong, like just having moved over and not really like finding that sort of playing time and form, I think he's picked the most balanced and just best squad with the players available that he had. I think he did a good job here. Yep, minus the one kind of long shot hope I had. I'm wearing his jersey right now, thinking that it was going to bring us some luck. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know. I, oh yeah, he's not in the team. I just, yeah, <laughs> he's 
Yeah, I, I kind of fake read his name. <laughs> yeah, Youngin obviously didn't get uh, selected. Um, he's not really uh, in the mix at Mallorca right now, unfortunately, with them changing formations too and going to more of a 4-4-2 uh, um, there. So he's kind of the odd man out, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's kind of expected. Even when he was young, he was playing well in the beginning of the season at Mallorca. He still wasn't getting picked up then. So mm -hmm. if he's not going to get picked when he's playing well, then he's not going to get picked when he's not getting playing time. So why, why do you guys him. think he's not getting picked by Bento? I always wondered why he's just not at least giving him a look or a substitute appearance. Just I... again, he doesn't play in the same position as Old Jong Young. He's not exactly like Lee Jae either. So yeah, I you can't really I find a this... place for him in this team. For me, like in the back of my mind this time with all the injuries and a lot of those kind of number 10 guys missing, I thought, okay, I think he'll probably get a call. I, I just had this kind of confidence that it was going to happen because we don't have a lot there right now. We're kind of thin. Uh, but even then, he still didn't pick him. So I guess he's just not in the mix, sadly. I mean, for me, the thing that I sort of think about with Igangin, like whenever I watch him even at Mallorca, is I think that um, he's not yet the type of player that Bento likes. Um, he one day very well should be the type of player that Bento likes because he's so insanely talented with his dribbling and just his vision. But in terms of like his ability to compete with like a physical uh, midfield, he can't do it. He just can't. He gets bossed around in midfield on a regular basis. Um, he's still, you know, he's still a young guy. He's still growing into his body. He's still, you know, working on that aspect of his game. I think that um, in midfield, uh, Bento just values guys that have that grit um, in their game so much. Um, Huang Inbum is a small dude, but he's got a lot of grit in his game. He presses yeah. really hard. Um, same thing with Jong Leung, right? Um, EJ Sung, uh, the guy just work rate rise. The guy is just incredible. Um, the thing with EJ Sung is he will be yeah. everywhere you need him to be on the pitch, and that's why he can be as influential as he is. Um, I think that that's what it is. It's just the sort of like physicality, the grit, the work rate uh, is just not really there yet. I think um, the way that I sort of see Igang in right now is he's a guy that can make magic uh, happen when the ball's at his feet, but he's not a guy that can get the ball to his feet or get the ball back so that he could do something yeah. with it. And um, so, yeah, that's not really the type of player that uh, Bento really needs in his midfield right now. Um, when he develops that part of the game, I'm sure that you know the next manager, if Bento's not the, the manager at that time, would love to have him in the midfield. But right now, I don't, I don't think he's got you know, the tools. I, I watch enough of their games to, yeah, to kind of... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Albert. No, no, go ahead, Paul. No, I'll, I'll jump on after you. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I watch I watch enough of the Mallorca games to, to completely agree with Mike, is, what Mike is saying. Even though I don't want to see it, because as a fan, I don't want him to do that. I do see it. I do see him struggle when he doesn't have the ball, uh, whether it's just like offensively moving without the ball or even trying to backtrack and, and catch up to, to, to the other team. You see the struggle. You see the, the reaching out and trying to foul people. or like, it, It's just not there physically for him to, to make clean fouls or, or get the ball back, clean tackles. He's always stretching his leg out, getting yellow cards or grabbing on jerseys because he can't keep up. Yeah. And that part is super hard to watch as a fan of his. 
Because like Mike is saying, when he has the ball, it's like, okay, he's like elite. He's like at minus, like, so I mean, you don't have anyone who can do what he does on our side. But take that away, take the ball away from him, and he's just super below average in everything else. So it's, I can kind of see it at this point now, even as a fan of his, that if you're not, he had to be at least average in those areas for, I think, Bento to be like, all right, I can work with that. But because of those kind of uh, mediocre qualities that he has that Bento really, you know, focuses on, I think that really makes it tough for him uh, to choose Egang in for uh, a spot on the squad. Yeah, Albert, whenever you're ready, you should jump yeah, in. Yeah, okay? no, so you guys made really good points, and it made me think, actually, um, kind of make a comparison. Again, I'm not saying he's this type of player, but I think Egang really is a type of central midfielder. He's a bit tricky because if you do play him in the starting 11, you're going to have to have at least one or two other midfielders next to him that are really, really um, hardworking destroyer types that can defend because at this point in his career, the kid can't really defend, and it's not his fault, but it's just the way he's built and the way he plays his game. Um, it reminds me almost of, I'm not saying he's like this player, but Tony Kroos or Paul Pogba when you play them in the starting 11. Neither one of those guys are really going to defend uh, but they're not exactly always going to run to the box either. So you always have to play a type of defensive midfielder next to them that's going to do those defensive responsibilities that those two guys just usually aren't up to be able to do. And I think that's kind of the case here with Igangin because, like you said, Hongingbaum can defend. He can track back on his own. Uh, Chung Muyong is the type of player who does that, and Ijez Hong, of course, has an amazing work rate. So it definitely probably does come down not just to the style, but as you said, the, the fact that the kid just doesn't, know i guess how to defend at the highest level or isn't willing to at least i think for sure maybe is a reason why he hasn't been getting called up in these games yeah i mean the kid is still super young so you know the potential is always going to be there and we're just going to sort of just it's going to be a waiting game it's going to be a waiting game to just see how his game develops um and just the hope that you know that game develops into something that's really useful for us at the national team level but at this point, I think, you know, when we look at it tactically, when we look at the profile of the midfielder that uh, Bento's looking for, he's just not that guy right now. He just isn't. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, so let's just sort of, uh, let's let's finish up talking about the national team. Um, let's just sort of wrap up and remind people just uh, a little bit about what these games mean, uh, where you can watch them if you're in the States. Um, and then we'll sort of go into talking a little bit more about um, some Premier League stuff because uh, some some good stuff is happening in the Premier League. Um, mm -hmm. But first of all, um, these matches will be uh, on Paramount Plus in the U.S. Um, they will have English commentary if you like that stuff. Um, we got Iran first at the Seoul World Cup Stadium. That's going to be a big one. Um, quick question, Albert. Do you know um, if Seoul World Cup Stadium is allowed to host fans right now? I think with the fact that COVID is so bad, I would say that um, they're not going to allow fans in, or if they do, it would be very limited. Because I know BTS had a concert in Seoul, and they had only a limited number of fans that weren't allowed to scream. And in a football match, okay. you have to scream. So I would say no. Actually, I'll look it up right now. Um, yeah. I'll try to find out before the podcast ends. But if I had to bet, I would say no, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay, and then after that, we're going to go to the UAE, and we're going to play them in the last match. Um, if we... If we beat Iran and then win the next game, we have won the group. We have been first place in the final round of World Cup qualifying for the AFC. Um, we're going to Qatar, but also that really means that you know we're going to have a good pot for the draw in June, which is great. So these are going to be two big matches. Um, 
We will have you just all the info streams that you need um, from our Twitter. Um, we are at Tegook Tavern, um, and we will just keep you updated with that. But if you want that legal stream with commentary in English, Paramount Plus is a great streaming service. They've got a lot of football offerings, so um, that's where you would watch it here in the U.S. And let's get six points. Let's win. Let's win, guys. Yeah. All right. Um, before we go, guys, let's just talk a little bit about the race for the top four. Um, as these two fine gentlemen can see, um, I'm riding really high right now. I've got a little <laughs> bit of uh, Arsenal swag right now. Um, so if you don't mind, would you guys like to just sort of break down a little bit of what happened in that uh, Manchester United-Tottenham match? Oh, um, watch that match from start to finish. Um Spurs actually really didn't play that bad, and they probably should have gone. All right, so I was able to check um, Korean news articles about the game. Uh, one of the more recent ones I've seen is that, yes, the KFA is going to allow, I think, a limited number of fans uh, into the stadium. They're going, they haven't released the final numbers yet, but they plan to finalize and announce uh, matters related to the number of tickets that will be available uh, as we move closer uh, to the game, which is in about, I think, I believe 10 to 11 days. Um, but I think you can infer from that that it will not be a packed stadium, but there will be still some fans rooting boys on against Iran. I think we will need that. Honestly, I, I just think we yeah. will need that. Like, you know the kind of environment that um, Iran creates for us when we, when we travel out there. So we need to create some sort yeah. of hostile environment for them when they come here. Um, you know, it's not going to be 60,000, but maybe if we can get five to 10,000 and just sort of pack it in real close to the field, Let's just hope that they can, you know, make some noise and just get in the Iranians' heads. But either way, um, these two matches will be good, and it's going to be really fun to watch and just sort of see us finish out our World Cup campaign, knowing that we've already qualified and just knowing that we can sort of just shut our stuff and see what we can do. Um, so those games are coming up uh, about a week from now, so that'll be really exciting. But for now, I think um, I just wanted to sort of break down yesterday's big Premier League match, uh, the 3-2 win for Manchester United over Tottenham. 3-2 win. Whew. Albert. Uh, I, was, I watched the whole game. Um, the only thing you can say is that Spurs got Ronaldo'd. It's They had the better chances. They were pressing Man, pushing Man United back into their own half. They were... Tied, they tied the game up off of Harry Maguire on goal, and a quarter in the 80-something minute, guy rises, jumps in the air like a like a ballerina, puts a top corner, and that's a game. And I think that's what happens when you have one of the greatest players in the world. Even if you're playing that bad, you always got a chance, and that's what happened. Spurs probably should have deserved to win that game. It's just one man. Thanos. Yeah, I, I would agree Thanos. with that. Yeah, I, I would, would agree with that for sure. It's, it's crazy yeah. how little opportunity they had but they capitalized on every single one and tottenham, tottenham had all these chances but couldn't do anything with it uh sunny was a little sluggish uh you know I, I know he's kind of been struggling as of late but man it was uh yeah that first ronaldo goal i think just like set it off it's like it just a strike from like way out and just perfectly placed and you're just like in awe you're just like wow that's that's, that's ronaldo yeah. for you i mean honestly like i gotta say this to you know man united fans um i would say that you know this guy's right now like could be the guy like, like 
that fires you to the top four like because everyone else in that match looked just awful but yeah albert you're exactly right when you have one of the greatest players of all time now apparently officially the highest scoring uh striker of all time for club and country um with yeah. 808 goals which is insane but um yeah if you've got ronaldo yeah you i guess you can be in the top four but it's just it's so it's so crazy to think that like man united can play so poorly yet still win the match um and yet tottenham can play so well and create such good chances and still lose um but as an arsenal fan i will just say this um that's music to my ears i love it i love it when (laughs) tottenham are playing so well yet they still find ways to be spursy and lose i love it even if it means they jump you for fourth place, you're okay. that's how much you hate Spurs. This, yeah. It's never going to happen. They're six <laughs> points behind us at this point, and we've played less games than them. Yeah, you do have games on it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm so confident. <laughs> Arsenal have won five games in a row. Oh, man. Um, it, like, okay, so we've got, we've got Liverpool midweek, right? We could, if we grind out like a, a point there, that's great. Um, I'm I'm not like, I don't want to be too confident. You're right, Paul. You know, like uh, pride becomes for the fall, obviously, right? Like don't want to get too confident, but I do like what I'm seeing from Arsenal. I think that the position that we're in is very strong. Um, so I'm just going to sort of keep riding that wave and just keep being on cloud nine with regards to that. But um you should totally be. I mean, with how the season started, I mean, it was looking a little grim there for a while for Arsenal. And, and the fact that they're able to turn around midseason and, and be where they're at, I wasn't expecting yeah. that to happen, to be honest with you. I didn't think, I was like, I was like, this is not a good start. I don't think he's going to make it. Uh, it didn't look good for a second there, but to be where you guys are at right now, that's, that's, wow. I, I, I didn't see it coming, to be honest. With you. I will say, out of all the um, teams in contention for top four, um, in terms of their younger players and their age and potential, I think Arsenal, I like Arsenal the most. You just have a, a crop of beautiful young attacking talent that by the time the older guys for Man City and Chelsea, you know, leave their primes, uh, I think you might have some good times waiting for Arsenal. Odegaard, oh my goodness. I love watching that guy play. Beautiful well, player. I just want to respond to what you just said, Albert. Um, you just said uh, when the guys at Manchester City get too old, um, you have some good years coming for you. Um, the only problem is what if Manchester City buys those young guys to replace their older guys? <laughs> well, that's the problem. When you have oil uh, money, happen, it's yep. basically the government's money, right, that they're using, so they have an unlimited amount. So, yeah, financial fair play might have to come into effect again. Oh, point. man, yeah, that's 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 always the one thing that sort of scares me about Man City um, is just, you know, the unlimited wealth that they have. And um, just with sort of like the situation right now in the world, um, that money yeah. could become even more unlimited when you see that like another team might have their money drained out of the out of their club um, with Chelsea. Yeah. So um, it's just so interesting. But yeah, I, I am very high on Arsenal's young talent. I think that you know it's been developed at home. Um, they've really you know found a specific um, style of play. 
um, at the academy for a bit. And, um, you know, we're playing well, so hopefully it continues. Um, if it doesn't, I will be the first to cry about it. But um, And also the only one in this crew to cry about it. I mean, Albert Gim will be, you know, also crying with me, but um, there will be so many, you know, Tottenham fans in our group chats that are just going to be ecstatic if we do collapse. Um, so... Uh, I, I won't say that I'm not worried, uh, but I will say that I am very excited for next month's uh, North London Derby, and I'm very excited to play yeah. you guys because um, I guess I will have to hope that you've um, you've won you've won the previous game before coming to North London, and uh, and uh, you, you know I I saw this. Um, I'm just going to say this to you guys. I saw this. Um, Tottenham's record in the last 15 matches is win lose win lose win lose win like it's just so inconsistent so um yeah i guess if you guys are coming off a win i'll feel confident that you're gonna lose the next one and we'll win and if you guys have lost at the weekend i'll be like the weekend before i'll be like oh crap like we're gonna go to um you know the tottenham stadium for the first time and uh and lose to them so i don't yeah we'll see but for now Arsenal's in a great position. I'm happy about it. Um, let's get back yeah. to that match a little bit. Um, what do you guys think is going on with Sonumin right now? What is the issue? You know, I don't want to speculate on people's health, and this wasn't confirmed, but it was pretty much common knowledge that the dude had COVID um, a few months ago mm -hmm. and that he was pretty sick from it. And I wonder, again, this could be speculation, but if it's, playing a part in the fact that he's just not fully feeling up to fitness yet because there were times in that match when he literally just fall yeah. and it seemed like he tripped over a rock on the field that yeah. wasn't there and i don't know if it's something with his cleats or if it's just something physical um that, that's something that does worry me a little bit because there have been some other guys who've been relatively healthy that have COVID and said look it took me a long time just to get even feeling back to 90 percent out there and I, and I hope this isn't the case but i wonder if it's still playing a part in him not feeling mm. the same and let's let's be honest. His character is the type to not talk about that or mention that mm -hmm. or use that as an excuse. Yeah. Um, and it, it could be very. I mean, there's like a lot of elite athletes. I mean, I, I remember. I know it's not soccer, but uh, you know, Jason Tatum from the Boston Celtics. Well, he took like months to get over it. Like he said, he had a lot of respiratory issues and he couldn't really fully go out because, you know, he had these breathing type of limitations that were. It was a struggle for him. And, you know, if he's if, for someone who relies on their pace and their work rate so much, like Sonomin, it's like that could be a huge factor in his. And his I mean, just like being for Tottenham, always in the starting lineup so much this season, being so relied upon by Nuno, being so relied upon by Antonio Conte. Like, yeah, it's just, it's a big thing. Uh, it's going to take a lot out of you. So. Yeah. We'll just have to hope that, you know, he continues to get back that fitness and just sort of, finds his feet a little bit again doesn't take it to, like doesn't you know i don't want him to like you know lose confidence at all and sort of like like let the fans get in his head i know that people are like a little bit on him for just being so kind of like hit or miss lately but just we know that he's a confident guy we know that he's a hard worker and he just sort of focuses on making sure to make it right and play better so um yeah it's just one of those things where yeah he just didn't look quite right yesterday just looked like he was off the pace just it just wasn't his day, so we'll hope that. And we and we we've we've talked about. It. I think you guys talked about it in the previous pod too. Is like there was a concern. Yeah. Is he playing too much? The travel, 
going, you know, back and forth, Korea and coming back and just the minutes that he's playing, we were all kind of worried. Like, you know, he's not, I'm not saying he's like, he's old yet, but he's kind of like on the, I guess the other side of his prime. Is it eventually going to start to affect him yeah. physically with the amount of minutes? We, we talked about it. So this was definitely a concern. So even if it's not a COVID issue, it could be just like all these minutes finally catching up to him a little bit and just not being as, as you know, uh, springy and bouncy as he usually is. Yeah, for me, the worst case scenario is that hopefully this doesn't happen, but he ends up like Pak Chi Tong, where eventually something happens where mm-hmm. he can't play past 34, 30, 33. And it'd be a real shame because I think he's the greatest footballer the, the country has ever produced. And honestly, against a, a lower table team, I wouldn't mind if Conte does give him a rest on the bench because even if he does play Tottenham, probably lose 1 0 on a set piece in the 89th minute. So. Give him a few breathers here and there. All right. Um, I just want to just make sure that we, uh, like, sort of lift the spirits. Um, let's have some fun here. Let's make some jokes. Um, uh, the group chat yesterday was popping during the match. Uh, we had some we had some good stuff going on there. Um, so, Albert, uh, just tell me your thoughts upon Harry Maguire. I thought that that was one of the funniest things I've ever read. <laughs> Uh, the one where you were like, all the, um, just tell us your thoughts on Harry Maguire as a player. Well, this is what I said. I said the guy is actually good at literally everything but playing, but defending. He can pass. Mm-hmm. He can score off that piece. He can take a mean mm-hmm. penalty. Did you see yeah. the penalty in the in the final against Donnarumma, top mm-hmm. corner? He can literally do anything, and he's a mean mug too. He, I think he beat the crap out of somebody in Greece or yep. something in the mm-hmm. offseason. So he's got the the attitude to be professional footballer, and he's got all the skill. It just he doesn't know how to defend. It's like when the ball's out of feet in the box. He, you saw the um when he opened his legs and he nutmegged himself in uh, Manchester United's recent game. I just I don't know. I, I think maybe he'd be better as a defensive midfielder. Maybe he's just playing the wrong position because he's that bad in his own end. I can't believe how bad he is considering how good he is at everything else. Yeah. It's really, he's good at everything. I, I laughed out loud when I read that, but it's just, it's sort of like the guy has absolutely no defensive instincts whatsoever. None. It's just, it's, it boggles Zero. my mind. Like the guy has all the physical attributes to be a great center back, but absolutely just no instincts or the brain for it. Like he just makes so yeah. many weird mistakes where you're just like, why are you a defender? Like, why is this the position you're playing? Yeah. Because the one thing I will say, his long balls, like lofted long balls, incredible accuracy. He's great at it, but he makes so many defensive mistakes. So many. Yeah. It, it, it makes you wonder if it's a coaching issue too. If one of his managers just has to pull him aside and say, look, Maybe we'll play you in as a holding midfielder this time. Maybe we'll try that because I've never seen somebody. He doesn't look bad when you see him on the field. He actually looks like a pretty damn good footballer. It's just when he has to defend, like you said, he can't clear the ball. He usually redirects it into his own net or he does something stupid, like let it go between his legs. So again, it, it, it baffles the mind. And I wonder if his managers in Southgate and Ragnit need to say, listen, maybe you need to sit or play somewhere else. He's maybe not a center back. Uh, let's just sort of wrap up on Man United by saying this. Um, good managers there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, are there good managers there that could really tell Harry Maguire that side of, type of thing? No, there aren't good managers there. That's also their big problem. They don't really have good managers or, like, managers that really, like, just know how to manage these players. These, you know, overplay, so. overpaid 
like prima donna type players in that locker room, right? You hear all the time that like no one respects Ralph Ragnick, right? And it's just, yeah. Man United, like I, I, I love ending this segment just sort of just saying like they're a mess. Um, and I just want to end the segment by saying this. I am so excited for Mauricio Pochettino to come in in the summer and try to fix this. I'm so excited for it. I'm all for that. You know, I, I think he's a good manager, but what's, what's that tweet that I saw? You can take the man out of Spurs, but you can't take the Spurs out of, out of him. No matter what he does, he'll always have that Tottenham DNA where his teams are going to melt down at a crucial point in knockout competition. And, um, as a non-Man United fan myself, I can't wait to see how everyone expects him to be the savior, like you said, and just watch the fireworks. Yeah, it's going to be great. That's going to be. Fun They're just going to be continually like in that fun. sort of cycle of just trying to find the right manager and just not finding him. Like, it's just, it's amazing. But ever since Sir Alex has left, like they just don't know what they're doing manager wise. That's yeah. the big thing. Like yeah. they just don't know what they're doing manager wise. And if you don't know what you're doing manager wise, like who's going to be the guy to lead the team and pick the team, then no, you can't have a good team at, at all. And it shows also in just their transfer decision. So they're a mess. Um, and if they like everything points to them actually going from Pochettino this summer, but they honestly should yeah. go for Eric Ten Hag. And they're not going to yeah, do it. That, that would be my guy too. He's a culture yeah. builder. What what culture does Pochettino build? He hasn't been able to control the guys at PSG. I don't know what makes them think he's going to no. be able to control the guys at United. So yeah, yeah. we're all for it here. We're you know we're Arsenal, t- Tottenham fans, just sort of hoping and um, just enjoying uh, the mess that is Man United. Um, we're going to wrap up here. Um, and I kind of wanted to just sort of uh, wrap up and just sort of talk a little bit about the politics and just sort of um, send our support to the Ukrainians right now. Um, It's a very sad situation. Um, The war is just absolutely brutal, heartbreaking. And um, we just want to send all our support to our listeners that may be there or listeners that have family from there. Um, Yeah, we send our support to the Ukrainians and um, we just really hope that there can be peace in that area as soon as possible. Well said, I agree 100%. And just sort of like with football, the one thing that sort of like is very interesting about it is, um, and I guess I kind of wanted to make this point a little bit, um, just sort of like the interesting thing with the fact that Abramovich is being forced to sell. For me, I find that to be incredibly rich of the Premier League to decide now that they're going to force him to sell. I find it to be incredibly rich because they just approve, you know, the Saudis to buy into, you know, Newcastle yeah. when, you know, Saudi Arabia is responsible for, yeah. you know, bombing and and blockading Yemen. Um, I, I think, I think it's a really great point you make, and I think what we can call that is basically selective mm-hmm. outrage. Um, when we see again, not to get too political, but when we see maybe browner looking people in some countries getting bombed and killed it's not as big of a mm-hmm. deal and i'm not downplaying what the ukrainians are going through we should support them 100 percent. but i feel like there definitely is outrage as to the consequences that are levied out depending on who you're oppressing mm-hmm. um and like you said if you're gonna force abramovich to sell which i agree with 100 percent, you can't get that rich in russia without backing vladimir putin 
you should also take a very deep look into Man City's mm-hmm. ownership and to Newcastle's mm-hmm. ownership. And it doesn't go for the Premier League as well. It goes for any other team in any other major league that's owned by somebody who is known to have, you know, shady ethical practices. And I highly doubt, though, the Premier League is going to do the right thing and look at teams like Newcastle and Man City because to me it's all a PR game. Mm-hmm. It's how can we look the best we can to the public without losing as much money. And um, I, I think for sure I agree with the decision to make a brand of sell Chelsea. But like you said, as a as someone who's all for human rights and justice in this world, it is kind of a tough pill to swallow to look at what's happening to Newcastle and Man City and say, you know what, I can support that or um, I want to see that doing well because you know behind the scenes what's going on with those teams. And it, it's it's sad. It really is. Sad. And I think just the, the one thing to, to wrap up with uh, with regards to Chelsea, um, the one thing that I will say uh, about Chelsea is that I really hope the situation is resolved so that, you know, they're their, their teams, men's and women's, and their staff can continue to get paid and continue to just be yeah. able to, you know, earn a living and be able to do what they love. Um, because the yeah. thing is, is that um, financially, Chelsea is not in a great situation and they were really relying on Roman Abramovich's money for a lot of their business yeah. and a lot of their um, yeah. revenue. So um, there has to be something done to make sure that that um, is taken care of. I think that the Premier League will have to vet the new owner and make sure that the, this yeah. owner is prepared to, you know, keep this club afloat and figure out how to make this yeah. club work on a business level. Because basically, um, yeah, they got to the top of the Premier League by using, you know, Robin Abramovich's oil and steel money. And um, if you don't want them mm-hmm. to be doing that anymore, you have to figure out how you're gonna, you know have them move forward because, you know, sustainability wise, right, they won't be able to uh, sign new players and they won't be able to re-sign players. So that's going to change who, you know, is employed by the football club to play. So um, it's a big deal. But politically wise, uh, your point was spot on. Um, The Premier League and any other league should be taking a look at these owners and looking at, you know, where do you get your money? Um, what kind of um, business practices do you espouse in the in the way that you get your money? And then, if you're a yeah. government-backed fund that's buying things, what does your government, in terms of human rights, do? Um, so yes, there should be a look at you know Qatar Sports Investments um, and their ownership of PSG, um, Man City's ownership, obviously Newcastle's ownership, and it, it, the list can go on because really, um, you yeah. know. There are definitely um, issues with human rights in the Middle East, so we should make sure to just, yeah, I think it's it's definitely just a fact of, you know, the Middle East and its issues there with human rights aren't as just viewed as importantly by the Western media and by the Western world, and I think that that's something that needs to change, and hopefully, I wish it would. I don't know how it will, but I hope it would. But anyway, um, before we get too bogged down in politics, uh, we just want to sort of end up with a you know real show of support for Ukraine, um, a real show of support for our national team, and hope that they're you know doing really well in the upcoming matches. We hope you enjoy them. Um, we want to just uh, let you know that um, the president of the uh, the Jung Young Senior Fan Club um, sends his regards. Um, he is. Uh, having dinner with the family right now. Um, we are recording this on a Sunday night. So, um, you know, we got to get through, guys, your KNT squad. We broke down a little bit of Man United and Tottenham. 
you know, we talked about a, a salacious Isamu story. Uh, we got through a lot. Uh, we really hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, Albert, you got any last words for me? Oh, no, just thank you so much for having me on. It was an absolute blast. And hopefully as we move closer to Qatar and I'll actually be going back and forth between the States and Korea now, hopefully I can maybe, you know, catch some games in person in the K-League for you guys and, uh, you know, do a little stuff for that. And um, if you're interested, uh, please check out uh, Midnight Asia on Netflix, uh, streaming your boy as I give a guide on uh, the city of Seoul. But yeah, other than that, hopefully I'll be around and uh, feel free to interact. And I just can't wait to, just to, you know, consume more football and hopefully more positive stories, you know, and hopefully this Ukraine story, all support goes to those people is uh, maybe the most negative one that we'll cover this year. And hopefully, you know, things get better as we um, head towards that second half of 2022. Wow. Time's flying. Yeah, time yeah. is flying. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the international break. Let's get those six points. And then we will see you guys in April to sort of wrap that up and sort of see where we're at in the Premier League season. So we will see you guys then. Peace. Bye, guys. <laughs>